invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew's chapter 19, Matthew's chapter 19, and we are learning from one of the most shocking encounters that Jesus has in his earthly ministry. The Lord is showing us uh, different truths and revelation from this encounter that I'm hoping that I'll be able to teach from it at least for a few more times. But my goal is to kind of get as much as we can from this passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, when everybody's there, say amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. I can't wait to teach on treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Verse 22, one of the most devastating verses in the entire Bible. Listen to this young man's response. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let us pray. Father, we come to your table today to eat. We pray that you feed us faith, feed us strength, feed us understanding. Open up our eyes, O oh Lord. To see wonders from your word. And don't allow us to leave as we came in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen and amen and amen. If you were with us last week, we opened this portion of scripture. And we learned that Jesus revealed the sinfulness of this young man's life. He revealed his sinfulness. We also learned last week that Jesus revealed the goodness of God, the goodness of God. And I want to dig deeper today into this biblical truth about the goodness of God. And I want to bring back to our study how Jesus reveals the goodness of God. And we see it in verse 17. Where it says, so Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? 
No one is good but one that is God. So notice that he reveals uh, the goodness of God. I also want to remind you that it's interesting that first Jesus holds up the young ruler's sinfulness. He says, no one is good. In other words, you're not good. So Jesus holds up the young ruler's sinfulness because Jesus loved him enough to tell him the truth. He loved him enough to tell him the truth. And we learned that we need people in our life that will love us enough to tell us the truth. Someone shout amen to that. We need people in our life that from time to time will tell us the truth. If we're tripping, we're tripping. If we're slipping, we're slipping. We need people in our life that will not just tell us all is going to be okay and all is going to be well, but love us enough to tell us the truth. Secondly, Jesus holds up God's goodness. And we see that in the portion of Scripture where it says, no one is good but God. No one is good but God. So Jesus holds up uh, the solution to this young man's sinfulness, which is the goodness of God. So Jesus, by mentioning the goodness of God, he throws a life jacket to this young man. So again, I, I need you to catch this. Jesus holds up his sinfulness, but at the same time, he holds up the goodness of God. Are you following along? So it's important that you understand that as, as your pastor or as your pastors, we have a responsibility to teach you the truth that is in the Bible. That is our responsibility. It's a holy responsibility. It's a sacred responsibility. That every time we come together and every time I stand before uh, this pulpit, this is a sacred responsibility where I'm not here to tell you uh, necessarily about my thoughts, but I'm here to tell you about God's thoughts. Are you following along? So we have a responsibility to teach you Bible truth. But we also need to understand that Bible truth doesn't always comfort us. Sometimes Bible truth confronts us. God doesn't always come to comfort you. Sometimes he comes to confront you. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? So it's my responsibility from time to time to remind us, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, that we can't be living like the world anymore. It's part of my responsibility to remind us that if you name the name of Jesus, we ain't to be acting like the world no more. We shouldn't be dressing like the world no more. We shouldn't be thinking like the world no more. Why? Because we follow Jesus. So from time to time, we need to have those hard conversations where I hold up the sinfulness of man. But simultaneously, I'm called to hold up the goodness of God. Simultaneously, I'm called to hold up the goodness of God. So, so I'm also here to remind you 
that there is power to live a godly lifestyle. I'm here to remind you that there is power to live a holy lifestyle. That there is power to live a sober type of lifestyle. That there is power uh, to live out your purpose in life. So, so that's part of my responsibility. We open up the Bible and we learn that there's power to live for God. There's power. It's called the goodness of God. It's in the goodness of God. So we have, we have, are determined to live in this tension where we hold up the sinfulness of man, but we also hold up the goodness of God to let you know that you don't have to live a lifestyle of sin anymore. You don't have to live a lifestyle of brokenness no more. The goodness of God is available to your life. The goodness of God is available for you to experience. Psalms 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. So we could experience the goodness of God. And I want us to drill deeper into the goodness of God. And I'm going to give you a Theology 101 class on the goodness of God. So follow along. You're going to walk away today with a working understanding of the goodness of God. So it's important, it's important to know that the Bible reveals goodness as a core quality of God. When you, when you go to think about the goodness of God, the first thing that we need to understand is that the Bible reveals goodness as a core quality of God. Psalms 25 verse 8 says, good and upright is the Lord. First Chronicles 16:34 says, "Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good." So in our study this afternoon, the first thing that we need to come to terms with is that goodness is a core quality of God. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, let me break it down. It means that God is the original definition of good. God is the original definition of good. God is good in and all by himself. He is good in and all by himself. Goodness is part of God's nature. Goodness is part of God's character. Goodness is a reflection of God himself. So in Exodus chapter 33, when God goes to reveal himself to Moses and he tells Moses that I'm about to show myself to you. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God revealed his goodness. He revealed his goodness. Why? You can't have goodness without God and you can't have God without goodness. It is part of his nature. It is part of his character. You can't have goodness without God and you can't have God without goodness. Someone shout amen to that. Now for us, for you and I, goodness is added to our lives by God. The difference between God and you, there's, by the way, there's many differences, but one I'm going to point out today is that goodness is added to our lives by God. We are not good in and of ourselves. We're not good in and of ourselves. Left alone, you're going to wreck the car. Left alone, you're going to wreck your marriage. Left, left alone, you're going to wreck your career and wreck your home. 
See, for us, goodness comes from the outside. Are you following along? Namely, it is God that makes us good. It is God that justifies us. It is God that declares us righteous. It is God that sanctifies us. It is God that makes us good. But for God, he is good all by himself. That's what the old folks used to preach. God is good all by himself. God is not dependent upon anyone or anything for his goodness. Are you following along? It's because goodness is part of the core quality of God. Now, God is good means he is super kind and full of goodwill toward us. When you think about the goodness of God, God is good means he is super kind and he is full of goodwill toward us. So God is inclined to bless us. God takes holy pleasure in us experiencing the joy of the Lord. And I want to remind you this afternoon, God is not against you. God is not trying to make your life harder. God is not a divine buzzkill trying to mess up your happiness. No, God is for you. He is on your side. He's trying to help you. He's trying to get you beyond yourself. Do you remember what the angels announced at the birth of Jesus? In Luke chapter uh, 2, when the angels announced uh, the birth of Jesus, they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Notice that. Goodwill toward men. What does that mean? You know what that means? The war between heaven and earth is over. The war between heaven and earth is over. That because of the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God is now on our side. He is for us. And so God wants you to experience the abundant life. He wants you to experience the abundant life. You shouldn't be having a hard knock life all your life. You shouldn't have a hard knock life all your life. God wants you to experience the abundant life. You remember what Jesus said in John 10, 10? He said, I come that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly. You know what the abundant life is? It's the God type of life. It's the goodness of God exploding in you and through you and around you. That's the God kind of life. That's the abundant type of life that Jesus wants you to have. Now it's important, it's important to recognize the goodness of God no matter what you're going through in life. No matter how dark it is for you, no matter how much pain you may be in, my brother and sister, it is important to recognize, discern, point out, identify the goodness of God in your life. Psalms 33 verse 5 says, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The earth is full of the goodness of of the Lord. So that means no matter what you're going through, 
No matter what's going on in your life, you can look around and see the fingerprints of God upon your life. You can look around and see the evidence of God upholding you, saving you, delivering you. There is some fingerprints upon your life that belong only to God. And it's important, particularly in the day that we're living in now. Because we live in a fragmented society. We live in a, we're living in a dark time where the enemy wants you to focus on the badness of man. The enemy wants you to focus on the badness of man. You know why? Because he knows it will frustrate you. He knows it will get you mad. It will paralyze you. He knows uh, that if he can get your eyes on the badness of man, you ain't going to serve the Lord. You ain't going to praise the Lord. So what does he do? He holds up the darkness. He holds up the brokenness in front of your eyes to get you to focus on that so he can drain you of your faith and drain you of your hope and drain you of your power. He knows. Now as you focus on the goodness of God, it strengthens your faith and it gives you fresh hope. As we focus on the goodness of God, it strengthens our faith and it gives us fresh hope. One of the things that I've learned in my some 28 years of serving the Lord and going through the ups and downs the pain and the darkness that we all go through living in this broken world. One thing I have learned is to always focus on the goodness of God in my life. Always to focus. Just to, If I could just find the fingerprints of God in my life, if I could just hunt it down and begin to celebrate what God is doing, begin to praise God for what he's doing in my life, I know what gets celebrated gets repeated. What gets celebrated gets repeated. So I look, no matter how much I'm in pain, no matter how frustrated I am, I go to look and I take a, a spiritual magnifying glass and I scan over my life looking for the fingerprints of God, no matter how small it may be. I know if I celebrate it, if I clap over it, if I worship him over it, he will multiply that thing. I've learned I've learned to focus on the goodness of God in my life. And I'll tell you what else I've learned. I've learned to focus on the goodness of God that he's going to do in my life. You see the difference? That's next level faith right there. That's karate kid type of training right there. I've learned to focus on the goodness that God is going to do in my life. How many believe that God is not done with you yet? How many believe that God is not done with your kids yet? How many believe that God is not done with your marriage yet? How many believe that God is not done with your family yet? See, see, I've learned. This is, this is next level stuff. This is karate kid, wax on, wax off type of training right here. I've learned, I've learned to focus on what God is going to do in my life. You know what the Bible teaches in Psalms? The Bible teaches that I would have lost heart 
unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He said, I would have thrown in the towel. He said, I would have jumped off the bridge. I would have jumped off the cliff if, unless I, I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God knows that as you focus on the goodness of him that he's going to do in your life, somehow or another it funnels strength and faith and power into your heart. I remember I was, I was in, the, I was in uh, isolation. I was in isolation in Chino State Prison. And I was in this cell, and my life had just been threatened because of my faith. And I was in this prison cell, and my life was threatened, right, uh, because I was serving the Lord. And I didn't, I didn't know the environment, what was going to, you know, what was around me. I was just locked up in this isolated cell. And I remember I... I remembered this verse right here. I remembered Psalms 27, and I told the Lord, I reminded the Lord, I said, I said, Lord, your word says that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In the land of the living. I caught, I caught, I caught hold of that word, land of the living, right? I grabbed onto that thing like a pet bull on some meat. I said, God, you said in the land of the living. Listen, I appreciate heaven, and I know there's some goodness in heaven, uh, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get back to my wife, amen? I'm trying to get back to my wife. So, God, you said I could have it in the land of the living. And that thing got me through the night. Brought me here. Even at my, my peaks of depression and peaks of darkness, what got me through was I believed God would one day answer my prayer. What got me through is I believed one day God would give me the desires of my heart. I believed one day God would give me a breakthrough. And, and by me, in fact, one year, I think it was about, I was in prison for about 15 years by then. And one year I had a theme. I had a theme for the whole year. And you know what the theme was? The theme was, I still believe. I still believe. You know, when you have a theme that says, I still believe, that means you've been believing for a long, long time. And I had this theme, I still believe, God, you're going to answer my prayer. I still believe I'm going to be set free. I still believe I'm going to experience the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I still believe. And somehow or another, it funnels strength into your heart. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? So it's important to recognize the goodness of God, but also we see God's goodness in his mercy toward us. We see God's goodness in his mercy towards us. Psalms 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. So notice mercy is connected to goodness. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. Notice mercy flows out of God's goodness. Mercy flows out of God's goodness. Anybody grateful that Jesus put up with you? Anybody grateful that Jesus put up with you? Like, I don't know how Jesus put up with y'all. <laughs> I don't know how Jesus put up with us. Well, now I do know. You know how? It's his goodness. It's his goodness and his mercy. Have you ever prayed the prayer similar to this? Lord, it's me again. And it's the same thing again. 
and it's no better again than the last time I came to you? God's mercy. In fact, you can put every blessing of God into two categories, grace and mercy. Every blessing of God in your life you can put into two categories, grace and mercy. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. Has God given you anything you don't deserve? Come on, somebody. You know some of y'all got that job. You don't deserve that job. Some of you got that position. You don't even know what you're doing, but God gave it to you anyways. Some of you got that raise, and, and God just gave you. You didn't even deserve it. You were lazy. You ain't been doing your work. God gave it to you anyways. That's the grace of God, giving you something you don't deserve. But then there's the mercy of God. The mercy of God is God withholding something that you do deserve, namely punishment, consequence, and even death. When, when God withholds punishment from you, that's his mercy. When God withholds consequence from you, that's his mercy right there. I remember uh, it happened at least a couple times where I got distracted while I was driving. Anybody ever got distracted while they were driving? And somehow I swerved outside of my lane. And I remember my whole life slowed down. And I was like, Matthew's 19, behold, it's about to go down. And this car came straight toward me. And I was like, oh my goodness. I'm about to be punished right now. And somehow or another, in the last moment, that car swerved out the way. And I said to myself, that's the mercy of God right there. That's the mercy of God right there. I deserved, I deserved that consequences. I, I crossed the line. Ooh, that's a word for somebody. I crossed the line, right? Whenever you cross the line, you deserve punishment. You deserve consequence, but God withheld his, his punishment. That's the mercy of God. Can anybody testify uh, that God at a particular time in your life, because of your disobedience, maybe rebellion, he was getting ready to like slap you upside the head? And he was about ready to hit you with one of them haymakers. You know what a haymaker is? It's when it comes from way back here. And because of his mercy, he said, no, I'm going to give him another chance. I'm going to give her another chance. And he withheld his consequence from you. That's, that's the mercy and goodness of God. That's Psalms 145 verse 9. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies over all his works. So we see God's goodness in his provision for us. In his provision for us. In Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 20 it says, You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Has God ever provided for you in the last 30 days? Has God provided for you in this last two years during the pandemic? Some of y'all, God provided for you in some supernatural ways. Some of y'all still got your job. Some of y'all got richer during the pandemic. I don't even know how that happened, but it happened. That's the goodness of God providing for you. That's El Shaddai, the Lord our provider coming through for you. That's the goodness of God. I remember right before I was going to get released from prison in 2008, my wife was in the real estate investment career, and she was doing pretty good. She had property 
uh, across the United States. And I was getting ready to go home, and I was sitting up in prison. I was thinking, man, I'm going to get released. I'm going to be balling when I go home. I was thinking, man, my wife got a Lexus. You know what I mean? I'm going to come out of prison. I'm going to lean a little bit to the left. And, and I thought, I said, man, I'm going to be balling. And then I got released in 2008. You know what happened in 2008? The Great Recession happened in 2008. And all of a sudden... My wife started getting notes from her tenants that they lost their job and they can't pay rent. And all of a sudden, we started losing property after property after property. And next thing you know, we lost the home that we were living in. And we had a little son at that time. We had to, we had to move to, like, to like the not-so-gooder area of the community. Gooder. And we were living like in a duplex where people live behind you. They kind of like, you share the same property. It's like living in the same cell. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> and I remember, I remember like the first morning, the next morning, at three in the morning, I woke up to some mariachis playing outside of my window. And I was like, Laura, I did not sign up for this. I don't know why I was blaming her, but. But we were, you know, we had a low time in life. But I'm here to testify God never let us go. I'm here to testify that God always provided for us. Even, even when I complained and all that stuff, God was reminding me it's better than a prison cell. Hey, hello, somebody. Your worst day, I don't know who this is, but your worst day in society is always going to be better than your best day in prison. Hello, somebody. Your worst day in society is always going to be better than your best day in prison. I don't care how many top ramen noodles you get. So we see God's goodness in his provision for us, but we also see God's goodness in his protection of us. His protection of us. The prophet Nahum says in chapter 1 verse 7, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. A stronghold. That word stronghold in this context means a place of protection. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and they that run to it are safe. We see God's goodness in, our, in, in his protection of us. Has, has God protected anybody this last two years during the pandemic? Has God ever protected somebody in the last two years? You don't have to answer it, but there are some people that have not caught the coronavirus. There are some people, and if you're one of them, you better praise the Lord God Almighty. You better come to church and worship and stomp and dance around and all that, because God has been protecting you. Come on, somebody. And I give thanks to God that he's protected our church during these last two years. There's a lot of churches that have shut down. There's a lot of churches that could not persevere during the pandemic. And even though our church has been through hell and high water, we're still here praising God. We're still here worshiping the Lord. We're still here dancing in the Lord. So we see God's goodness in his protection of us. I was just reminded of Pastor Benny. Pastor Benny, you became more prosperous during the pandemic than the last maybe five years before that. How does that happen? How does that happen? That's only the goodness of God. That just came to my mind right now. That ain't supposed to happen in the natural sense, but God is good. Amen? God is good. And as 
As we wind down our study this afternoon, I need to close with this. That God's goodness calls for a response. God's goodness calls for a response. Hear me as I begin to wind this down. God doesn't shower you with his goodness so that you could have goosebumps. God doesn't shower you with his goodness just so you could sit up and watch novellas all day long. God doesn't shower you with his goodness just so you can do whatever you want to do. No, God's goodness always calls for a response. If you're a recipient of the goodness of God, you need to understand this. Because some of us are not giving back what God expects out of us, out of all the goodness he's put in our life. God's goodness always calls for a response. Let me just identify two, two ways we respond to the goodness of God. Just two ways. I'm going to lay this at your feet. Number one, we respond to the goodness of God by praising him. We respond to the goodness of God by praising him. Listen to Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 11. Listen to this. They were recipients of the goodness of God. And look how they responded. It says, and they sang responsively. Notice that. They didn't just sing. It says they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord for he is good. They sang responsively, right? In other words, they leaned into the singing. They leaned into the worship. They leaned into the praise. They didn't just stand there like this. They didn't just stand there with a dead look on their face. No, they leaned into the praise. You know why? Because they experienced the goodness of God. They experienced the goodness of God. Listen, I, I preach in a lot of churches across the United States. I, I sit in different types of churches in the United States. And one of the common things that amazes me is how quiet some churches are. Amazes me. It amazes me that we could... We could preach about salvation and preach about deliverance and, and, and ask God to save our kids and ask God to save our husband and deliver our husband. But then when it comes time to singing unto the Lord, okay. It makes me wonder if they ever really had an experience with the goodness of God. Now, I'm not saying we have to be hanging from the chandeliers. I'm not saying we need to be hanging from the chandeliers, but I'm doing saying if we, if we experience the goodness of God, we better be on time for worship. We better, be on, we better be ready to clap our hands. We better be ready to shout to the glory of God. Sometimes we better be ready to stomp our feet. Sometimes we better be ready to go in circles. Uh, we got to be ready. We got to be ready if we experience the goodness of God. And let me tell you something. I know some of y'all stories. I know some of y'all, I read some of y'all Facebook posts. And you, you ain't got no right to be quiet in the house of the Lord. No right at all. Y'all better open up your mouth. Y'all better scream and shout. Y'all better clap your hands as much as God done for you. 
as much as God done for you, as many times as God spared you and saved you and delivered you, you ought to be lost your mind by now. Don't you come up in this house quiet. No, no, no. We know you. Lastly, we respond by repenting. We respond by repenting. And repentance is not just for unbelievers. Repentance is for believers. We ought to live a lifestyle of repentance. And notice what the scripture says in Romans 2.4. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. The goodness of God. See, it always leads somewhere. Remember? The goodness of God always leads somewhere. He doesn't just give you his goodness so you can have goosebumps. It always leads somewhere. And the goodness of God leads to repentance. In other words, God does not want to force you to repent. God doesn't want to hit you over the head to repent. God doesn't want to coerce you into repentance. No, we serve such an awesome God that he says, I'm going to bless you so much. I'm going to bless you so mightily that you're not even going to want to sin. You're not even going to want to give your life to that thing no more. I'm going to bless you so much that every time you do sin, you can't even lift up your head and look at me because you're going to be thinking, my God, how, how good you have been to me and I'm so bad to you. God said he wants to bless you so much. I know I've had some moments in my life where I, where I grieved the Holy Spirit and I've had some moments in my life where I'm, I'm, I'm literally pounding the table and I'm saying, God, I don't want to live like this no more. God, I don't want to hurt your feelings no more. God, I don't want to break your heart anymore. God, you have been so good to me. You have been too good to me. The goodness of God leads to repentance. You better take, a, take an audit of the goodness of God in your life. And may it lead to you serving him. Lead to you living holy. Lead you into living pure. Lead you into serving him. Lead you into giving your life for him. It's the goodness of God. The reason why I'm all in, God is not forcing me to be all in. The reason why I'm all in, because he's been good to me. How could I not be all in? How could I not be all in when he takes a broken, convicted murderer and lifts him out of the darkness and bless him tremendously? How could I not be all in? It's the same for you. It's the same for you. What we're going to do right now is I'm going to call the worship team up. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the goodness of God uh, in your life. And I'm going to ask the worship team, if you come up, we're going to sing the song, Goodness of the Lord. And I want us to respond to God in singing. But also, maybe there's someone here who needs to repent. Maybe there's someone here who needs to repent. This is your time to repent. This is your opportunity to respond uh, to God. So let's stand up on our feet if you're able to stand to your feet. And let us, let us respond to God with one heart. Let us respond to God with one heart.
of the goodness of God. Let's sing it again. All my life, and all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so time from the beginning we're going to sing it again we're going to respond to the lord but if you need to repent if there's anybody who needs to repent today as we sing the song from the beginning i'm going to open up the altar and if you need to have a one-on-one -on -one with god if you need to repent i want to invite you to the altar of god but everyone else let's let's respond by singing this unto the lord let's respond For your mercy never fails me, and all my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up and until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Let's sing it again. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, for your mercy, for your mercy never fails me, and all my days I've been held in your hands, from the moment that I wake up and until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Goodness of God. 
Let's give the Lord a hand, praise. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God is good all the time. His goodness keeps running after us. His goodness keeps running after us. We're going to transition to worship the Lord with our tithes and our offerings this afternoon. We're going to transition to responding to God in our giving. I want to call up the ushers up forward as we prepare to give. I want to remind us that we give out of goodness or gratefulness for God's goodness. We never give out of obligation. We don't give because we have to. We give because we get to. Someone say, I get to give. Someone say, I get to give. It's an honor to be able to give unto the advancement of the kingdom of God. In fact, I would suggest to you that the best investment that you can make in this earth is investing into the advancement of the kingdom of God. Your giving is making a difference. Your giving is changing lives. Your giving is advancing the kingdom of God. Your giving is teaching kids about Jesus. Your giving is sending teenagers to go meet God on the mountaintop. Your giving is making a difference to the glory of God. So as we prepare to give, a couple announcements to make. There's several ways you can give. If you want to give online at chapelofchange.org. That's an easy way to give. Most of our church family give online. If you're watching live stream, you could text to give. Go to our webpage and get the number you text chapel to. If you want to give in person, you can give through an envelope. You can give through a debit card after service in the lobby. Uh, there is a table back there and somebody can help you to give through a debit card as well. A couple announcements to make. This Thursday in the sanctuary is our uh, prayer and worship night. Prayer and worship night want to invite you back to pray, want to invite you back to worship. If there's ever a time we need to pray, it is right now. We need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray. We have children ministry that night as well as youth ministry so you can bring your whole uh, family. I also want to remind you that this Saturday 9 a.m. at our Paramount location is our King's Men Breakfast. Our men from all our campuses are gathering and they're gonna, we're going to be fellowshipping, we're going to be praying, we're going to be eating, hello somebody, we're going to be worshiping, and we're going to be studying God's Word together. We're going to hear powerful testimonies. God is doing a special work in the men at Chapel of Change. He's doing a special work. Come on somebody, give the Lord praise for that. You know, in a, in a, lot, of, in a lot of places, we praise God for our sisters, amen. And our mothers, praise the Lord, somebody. In a lot of places, it's just all sisters. But we thank God we got some men up in the house, amen? We got some men up in the house. And if, you, if you're a girlfriend or you're a wife and you have a boyfriend or a husband, loose that brother and let him go. Loose him and let him go this Saturday, 9 a.m., all right? Everybody hear that? Saturday, 9 a.m. So we're going to pray over the offering and then we're going to collect the offering and then I'll come back and dismiss with a blessing so let us pray Father we thank you for the ability to give we worship you through this giving in Jesus name we pray amen and amen let us give unto the Lord
our feet. I want to thank God. Uh, I want to thank God for Henry on the guitar. Let's give it up for Henry on the guitar and Edwin on the keys. Come on, somebody. Let's praise the Lord for them. Thank you, brothers. Hallelujah. I want to invite our pastors and leaders up to the altar. After we dismiss, if you need prayer, you're invited to come up front and one of our leaders will pray with you. If you're going through something hard or you need prayer for a family member, we want to pray. We believe in the power of prayer. Also, if you know anybody who needs this message that I just preached, I'll be giving the same message tonight at 4.30 at our Carson campus. So I encourage you to text somebody, invite somebody, or I'll be giving it online at 7 p.m. at our Zoom worship service. You can get the information on our Facebook page. want to remind you that not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, we're going to have an installation ceremony for Pastor Renee. Raise your hand up, Renee. Raise your hand up. Pastor Renee is going to be publicly affirmed and publicly installed as the pastor of our deaf ministry here two, two Sundays from now. Go like this. And by the way, let me just make this clear too, Pastor Renee. You are not just a pastor for our deaf community. You are a pastor in our church of all of us, of all of us. Of all of us. You understand that? All of us. Right? All of us. All right? Uh, that's two Sundays from now. We're going to have free lunch after service in the tent out there. So you're invited to celebrate uh, with us. It is our tradition to close out with a blessing. Anybody need a blessing from the Lord? So we teach our church family, if you lift up your hands unto the Lord, we'll declare a blessing over you. In the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love. In the name of the Son who died that you could live. And in the name of the Holy Spirit who fills you with the goodness of God. May the goodness of God follow you around this week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hope to see you next Sunday. Go in peace.